Welcome to part two of Should We Sing Bethel Songs? We're going to pick up where we left off last time. I'm going to reread a little snippet from one of Benny Johnson's blog posts, and Phil is going to give his response to that. So make sure to have the lens of scripture in the forefront of your mind as we endeavor to reason together. But she says, I was talking with Ray Hughes the other day and was telling him about using a 528 hertz tuning fork as a prophetic act. Someone told me that this tuning fork is called the tuning fork of love. The sound of this fork brings healing. What are your thoughts about that? Um, about that little excerpt? It sounds very mystical and new agey. Healing is ultimately from God, not from some magical, mystical thing. I don't, I, I mean, think about, think about what Peter and the apostles were doing right after Jesus ascended into heaven. They had power to heal at basically to heal at will. And they were going around just like Jesus had done during his ministry. And they were giving people, uh, you know, allowing lame people, healing lame people to walk in the name of Jesus. And so it's, it's weird, right? If there were people, what you can you can look up videos of people from Bethel or other similar churches who have who who claim to have these healing powers going around and they're doing really similar things to what I don't know carnies do in a circus you know they're doing cold readings and they're um healing healing people like if they really had that power it's healing of, of things that you can't see yeah It's like, oh yeah, this person has has neck pain, and they do this weird mumbo jumbo. Yeah, and then oh, the neck pain's gone. Well, you don't know if it came back or. Yeah, I I, I don't. I would run from that. I wouldn't sit under t- the teaching of someone who thinks that a tuning fork brings magical healing. Yeah, I just want to remind that one of the major tenets in uh, the in New Age belief and practices is the fact that normal, mundane objects have spiritual significance. That they are they are maybe not enveloped or infused with a spiritual being or a spiritual reality or a spiritual substance. That as Christians, we wouldn't recognize that. We would say that they are part of the creation that they represent or they show part of who God is, but they aren't infused with a spirit being. Okay, so I'm going to give you another, I think we have three more clips. So this clip is from Jen Johnson. She's one of the prime, if you've ever looked at who's, who writes Bethel music, Jen Johnson is one of the main major writers in a lot of Bethel music, along with um, Brian Johnson. 
I believe she is the biological da- daughter of um, Bill and Benny Johnson. She could be the daughter-in-law, but I think she's the biological daughter. Anyway, we're going to um, play a clip about how she um, how she describes the Holy Spirit and how she describes the Trinity. Everybody knows the normal, you have, I explain it to my kids like this in the Trinity. It's a great example. You can take it. You're welcome. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, are like an apple. It's the same thing, but there's three different parts. And they all have their own little special thing, and they're just amazing, but it's all the same thing. So you established in your Christian life, when you get saved, somewhere along the road, you establish in your mind, or maybe 15 years later down the road in a sozo, what we call the father letter. (laughs) Go team, um, team De Silva. So, this is what, there's a point to this. I view God as God the Father. Creator. Wonderful. And I view him like Aslan from Narnia. You know that one scene? Have you guys seen the new Narnia? The new, the, oh my gosh. The old one was good, but this one is so good. And the, the scene where he shakes his mane, I was like, <laughs> There's so much anointing in that in that scene, it's ridiculous, but yeah, boy. So that's how I view God. And then Jesus, which is what we know from scripture, is healer. And he's, his presence is so sweet. He's just sweet. And he's peaceful. And I, I've, I always picture him like storybook Jesus, I call him. The robe, the whole deal. But at the same time, he's filled with justice, and he's this table turner over, and, you know, there's no... He's, he's just, you know, tenacious. And um, so I view him like that. And then there's Holy Spirit. And... The word says that he's power. There's like a million verses of the fact that you, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get filled with power. And he's friend. And he's teacher. And he's comforter. And he's helper. But what most people don't know is he's really fun. <laughs> and I view him like the genie from Aladdin. I don't know where in my life that just kind of like came up. Maybe when I was like 10. I don't know. But before salvation, um, I, I, view, I view it like a cup. Like, like this water bottle, for example. I don't know. They're all kind of full. But, you know, your, your old life is kind of like this water bottle. And when you get saved, you pour yourself out. You pour your old nature out. You pour your, you know 
old life and all your, your past, you know, everything, you pour it out, and then you get filled with him and with his spirit. <clears throat> but something I want to empower you tonight with is really a simple concept, and it's the fact that the bottle didn't change. It's still you. Don't listen to anything Jen Johnson says or be skeptical of everything she says. That was that was a flaming trash pile of theolo of, of biblical well it wasn't it wasn't biblical exposition. There's a million verses that talk about power and the Holy Spirit and him being a comforter. That was as close to biblical exposition that she got in that three or four minutes that I just watched. And she's talking about one of the most important theological concepts of Christianity, the, the triune nature of our God. And she compared him, she compared the Holy Spirit. It's like, a, like the genie from Aladdin. It's flippant. That's from the Bethel Bethel's YouTube page. That's not like that's not a video meant to be like condescending. They're they're promoting that video. Yeah, and at the beginning, I don't know if Danae's gonna show. There was a little issue with the clip. She said that the Trinity is like an apple. So the the Trinity is like nothing. People <laughs> people people try to come up with analogies, and some are better than others, but any analogy is going to fall short because there is nothing like the triune nature of God. It's, it's mysterious and it's not something that we can fully comprehend. And just the, I, I don't know. It was, it was very informal. Maybe it was more of an informal meeting that she was talking to, but when you're talking very, she's talking authoritatively about the nature of God without using scripture and referencing a cartoon movie from the nineties instead. Um, yeah, I would not, would not recommend. And so if, if this is, if people are listening to Bethel worship music on YouTube and then it YouTube suggests or automatically plays this clip, or other teaching from them, I would say that's that's dangerous for people who unknowingly are, you know, it's YouTube's algorithm. It suggests all kinds of weird things that are related and people just keep it playing in the background. Mm. Yeah, not good. So I do want to mention that there were th elements that she said that were true, that you can walk with the spirit daily, right? Maybe that was the one <laughs> thing, thing that she said that I agreed with. But my point in saying that, if you watch the whole clip, I think it's like nine minutes. Point in saying that is that counterfeit is always mixed with elements of truth. Just like a counterfeit bill looks like the real bill, but at close examination, you see the issues with the bill. In order to know what's counterfeit, you don't need to study the counterfeit as as much as you need to you need to study the authentic. And in order to study the authentic, you're in God's word, not just alone with God's people, 
and with someone who's going to teach the word of God. Ephesians 3, or is it 4? I think it's 3, talks about how the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers were, were made by God to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So we need each other in that pursuit and that endeavor. You do need to be reading the Bible alone. You also need to be reading it in community, not just a virtual community watching, you know, sermons online. You need to be with people learning and discerning God's word. You need to have teachers with you. You need to have shepherds. You need to have apologists. You need to have evangelists. We all need to be in this together. So we should be discerning this together. So there's always going to be elements of truth. And I get this pushback a lot. Well, they say these things that are true, you know, and, and a common response is a a broken clock is right twice a day, right? I mean, you can always find some thing that's correct and something that's verifiably wrong. Um, something else that you said, I don't know if I'll remember it. Maybe it'll come back into my head. Oh, yes. I think so often um, when, let, let's say you really do, you love Bethel music, right? It's I, I used to really love Bethel music. I would sit and listen to it. For hours, I would cry sometimes, cry out to God. It was very emotionally appealing to me, and I really did believe that it was drawing me into a correct worship response and correct worship time with the Lord. So, uh, but what's interesting is that it's usually, it's usually a response, like when someone, let, let's say someone that, that is watching this video, really loves Bethel music, and your initial response to what we're saying is, but I, right? But I have been really led into a worship experience with the Lord, but I've become closer to God. Let's shift the focus from yourself really quick and think about all the other people who are vulnerable to bad theology. Now, I would argue that you're also <laughs> vulnerable to bad theology. However, it's interesting that a lot of our argument, our first response is about what it's done to me. We're not even thinking about how it's affected our kids, how it's affected our neighbors, how it's affected, you know, maybe Phil and I can listen to a Bethel song and because, or oh, let me give a better example. Maybe our grandparents can listen to a Bethel song and it doesn't affect them to the same extent as like a, an 18 year old who's listening to it, right? Because maybe, you know, your grandpa, my grandpa have been in God's word for 60 years. And so they're really able to be like, kind of tune it out, whatever. Are we concerned about God, about Christ's body? Are we concerned about the church actually growing, being the spotless bride of Christ, right? And being washed with the water of the word. We're concerned enough about the elderly and immunocompromised, about our droplets to wear masks everywhere. And so why wouldn't we be concerned about what the music droplets of, heresy. <laughs> yeah, droplets of heresy there you go just uh falling down from the glory cloud floating up and mask it up mask it up <laughs> Is that it? yeah that's uh i feel like there was one more thing maybe it'll come to me okay all right let's see if we can get the next couple in okay so this is just a quote from Bill Johnson. I think it was from an interview. I can't remember what magazine it was in. It also might have been from one of his books, but I've read it so many times and I made sure it was a quote from him. So this is a quote that says, while Jesus is eternally God, he emptied himself of his divine powers and became a man. And he's referencing Philippians 2, 7. 
It's vital to note that he, Jesus, did all his miracles as a man, not as God. doubt it and not only do i not doubt it that's heresy he's a heretic he needs to repent and tell people that he was wrong i don't i also don't understand why he has to say that when it's obvious that well maybe maybe just because jesus did the best miracles (laughs) no one else did miracles like me like like jesus the best they were the best I have a terrible Donald Trump impression impersonation. Um, so there were many other people in the scriptures who did signs and wonders besides Jesus. I don't know why it's so important to his overall theology of signs and wonders. Because the, the reason why it's important to note that Jesus did his miracles as a man and not as God in Bill Johnson's world is so that the same power to do the same level of miracles that Jesus did is open to us. So I don't, you know, there were other people in the scriptures who raised people from the dead and any other miracle that you can name. I don't know why it's so important to his theology that Jesus was doing his miracles as a man. I'd be interested to hear a little more about it, but it's definitely heresy. All right. So the last thing that I'm going to show you, last clip, is uh, from Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry, a group of students that do something together. Now here we are at Smith Wigglesworth's grave um, in Bradford. It's up the other end of England. You might not be able to come here naturally, but you can certainly feel it supernaturally what's happened in this man's life. It's funny, all of us students, when we came here, the thing that we felt was uh, that like the raising of the dead power and the gift of faith came on us. And some students were leaning over the back of the grave and they felt a grace and a faith just rest on them. Mm-hmm. It's funny, isn't it? How, you know, Elijah, um, I think someone put the, the, bo- the person's bones on his bones and they got raised up to life. When you come into a place where the Holy Spirit was on a person, he still exists there. He still keeps the heritage of the person's life. And he can see how his whole family buried with him. Um, but this is the man, Smith Swigglesworth. And, and the history of this man is a history of miracles and great faith and a restoration of the miraculous anointing into the Church of England and also across the whole world. And as you know, he's written many great books and writings on, on gifts of faith and, and the working of faith and the working of miracles. He even punched people at times, and uh, which I don't encourage all the time. But when the gift of faith comes on you, and you know what to do. You've got to punch that devil out of people. Smack that thing in the chops and get it out of someone's life and get the devil off people's back. And this is what this man did. And so although you can't be here in the natural, just open up your hands right now and get ready to receive in the spiritual because there's Come no on. distance in the spirit. Yeah. And God can release this same impartation onto you. And just before we do that, we're just going to, uh, I'm going to show you one scripture down here that has on his grave an amazing scripture they put on his grave here just after his writings there about Smith Wigglesworth's life. They put this, he says, I fought the good fight and I've kept the faith. This man had an enduring spirit. And I believe right now the impartation is going to be the gift of faith is going to come on you. And also the spirit of endurance. That this man, he was persistent. This man prayed in tongues for two to three hours a day. He read the Bible every day. And he kept the faith all, all the way up to the end of his life. 
and out of all the people in the God's General's books, he's one of the ones that he never fell, he never compromised, he never changed his heart and his attitude toward God and toward people. He stayed the same, he had enduring faith. And so we're just going to pray right now in Jesus' name. So we release, we release, other students who want to come in, we just release over the, over the camera right now. We just release the anointing of God um, that is in this place. And we pray that faith, faith, great faith would come on you. And we just release right now the anointing. Just take it now in Jesus' yeah. name. Take enduring faith and yeah. take a great faith to do miracles, yeah. to work miracles in the neighborhoods, in the supermarkets, but also yeah. an enduring faith to continue on and to not compromise your life, but to walk with the Lord yeah. Jesus. And he's releasing over you right now grace uh, yeah. for you to have enduring faith and to have a working of miracles as a lifestyle. And so we just th <laughs> thank you, Father, that what was on Smith Wigglesworth life, let it come on us, let it come yes. on them. In Jesus' mighty name, we bless you, love you guys so much. Yeah, and some, someone who's watching has a mental illness and God's healing you right now. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Yeah. What's up with that girl who was laughing? I think they call that or refer to. Is that how? You, is that how you know that she has the Holy Spirit? Is because she's laughing? It's. It's. I think it's referred to as like Holy Spirit laughter or or something like that. I, I can't remember the term, what, but what book of the Bible is that in? Just. I'm just <laughs> telling you. The. I mean, these people are obsessed with miracles and signs and wonders and the spiritual aspect of Christianity. If you listen to what they talk about, it's it's stories and anecdotes. It's very rarely scripture. If they're out like Yeah, they're they're not they're not they're, they're definitely not expositing scripture. They're not going walking verse by verse through the Bible. They may be using Bible verses in their teaching, but they're kind of cherry picking and proof text, proof, proof texting. So you know what you want to say, and then you go looking for some Bible verses to prove it uh, or to to support your claims. That is that is some bizarre stuff. We're going to go find some people who are really strong in their faith and died, and we're going to stand over their graves and we're going to channel their spirit and give that anointing or give that gift to other people through the camera on you know through the camera and the internet um and the, the, the weird thing at the end too is that that woman's like somebody who's watching this has a mental illness and god is healing you what what is the purpose of prophecy if it's like between one person on one side of a camera who will never meet the person who's being prophesied to, they'll, they'll never interact. There's no way for the prophecy to be proved to be verified, to prove to be true. And it, like it is the, the, these, these gifts, signs and wonders and spiritual gifts are for the building up of the saints for further you know for the work in ministry and for the edit, the, the edit, mutual edification of the body and it's like it's not y your ability to have power and channel it and be able to do really cool things to show everyone how spiritual you are i know that's like a very trite way of saying of describing what they're doing but that's what it feels like to me when i watch it it's like they're obsessed with power. 
they're obsessed with spiritual power to be able to do cool stuff. And maybe it's for their glory. Maybe it's for, for what they perceive to be Christ's glory, but it's just not as I read the, the new Testament, that's not what I come away with as a major point of emphasis, especially after you get out of the book of Acts and into the Pauline epistles, um, a little bit later in the history of the church, it's just not at the forefront. And I'm by no means a scholar of early Christianity, but, um, uh, that would be an interesting thing to, to research. Is that what was going on in the second, third, fourth centuries? still pretty close to the time of Christ and the time of the apostles. There would have been people alive, you know, a hundred or, uh, you know, a hundred years after Christ died that still knew or had, had had physical contact with some of the apostles where was that going on? You'd think that it would be if that's, what's normative for now. Um, but that's not what my understanding of, you know, the broad hundreds of years of church history or thousands of years of church history is, it's just weird. It's like, and a, a lot of it is you can't, you can't falsify it. And so what better deception to, to like deceive yourself, maybe with things that are being created in your own brain to be deceived by, um, by evil spirits who are seeking to draw people away from the true Orthodox Christian faith. Yeah, I would, I would run the other way from people doing grave soaking. In case you are curious, this isn't a fringe element within Bethel. From my understanding and my research, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, largely large groups of people participate in these endeavors, as well as going to sometimes psychic shows and doing readings of people. I mean, they they claim that they're readings from the Holy Spirit, but nonetheless, um, they do readings of people. So th well, that was what the last sentence was of what that, that prophecy about someone with a mental illness who's being healed. That's like something you would do at a, at a reading. Yeah. Yes. And but the readings are more like, oh, I'm seeing into you. Like God is telling me this about you right now. So like maybe like your hand that. says, yeah. yeah, right, right. Some, yeah, something vague enough, loose enough, um, that it could mean a lot of different things. Anyway, this is really not a fringe element. And so the last thing that I want to end with is what is, and I'm 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 not picking. <laughs> I'm not picking just the most outrageous videos. Some of these videos that I'm showing are from Bethel's YouTube channel. They aren't like clips from people that are trying to catch Bethel in the act. Mm -hmm. They're being promoted. So I'm trying to, what we want to do is believe what, what I shouldn't say believe, take them at their word, right? not try to read into their word, but as much as we can say, this is what they said and this is what they say they mean. Okay, let's critique that. Okay, the last thing is fire tunnels. Okay, the reason I'm bringing this up is because this is what happens during musical worship at Bethel. Super common. This is, a, again, not a fringe element of Bethel. If you walked into a church, maybe, what would be your initial thoughts? And again, I know we're, 
we can give emotional responses. However, for this last one, I don't want you to just give an emotional response. I really want you to look at it and just tell me, you know, more a, a cerebral, you know, uh, response to it. And then you can do emotional after. I just don't want to be, I don't want this episode to be emotionally manipulative anyone else. Like to manipulate you based on, based on emotions or to say, oh, they're super, you know, offended by all of this. I should be offended too. Well, I don't want to push our emotions or our response, you know, our emotional responses on to anybody else. His, his emotional response is authentic. That's what you actually feel. But I don't want that to be used to, you know, manipulate how anyone thinks. I want you to use it, use our assessment to search the scriptures and to decide for yourself. All right. This is, um, well, fire tunnels slash, oh, maybe I should do the actual fire tunnels. That's what I'm going to do in, instead. In Jesus' name, receive the fire. Yeah, hallelujah. Fire, fire. Stretch your hands, guys, to this circle here. If you're in this circle right here, there's just fire on you. There's fire on you right now. We just release the heat of God, the fire of God. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think what I saw is there are people lined up on two sides and congregants are passing through the middle while multiple people lay their hands on top of them and they're speaking nonsense words it's in tongues. I mean, they're speaking in tongues, not, not tongues as meaning a legitimate earthly language, but nonsense words. Yeah, they would call it like the tongues of angels. Tongues of angels, okay. Um, and so people are passing through. They're they're being impacted in some way spiritually by this. Coming out the other side, there was one lady who I think was laughing hysterically. Other people kind of falling down. Others kind of stumbling. Um, again, there's an incentive structure in this. If you pass through that experience and you just like are walking normally, people are going to think like, Oh, maybe he's like really bad sinner. He's like, not, he doesn't have fellowship with God. He's not, doesn't have the anointing. It's really important that you have the anointing. And so there's, I don't know. I, I don't know those people's hearts or what's going through their heads. I would guess that in, every church there are people who are faking it and so if some people are faking that like you can't tell you can't tell any of it apart um, I don't see how it's edifying on any intellectual level to have someone say words over you while they're touching you that you don't 
you don't know what they're saying. So whether they're speaking just nonsense, gibberish, or whether it's the tongue of an angel, if I can't understand the words that they're saying and no one is interpreting what those words mean, it's... I don't. Yeah, first. Yeah, first. It's First Corinthians. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, that sounds right. So, what is the what is the purpose of these spiritual gifts of the gifts and signs and wonders? Is it to so that people have an intense emotional experience, or is it for some kind of edification? Because you get you can have an emotional experience, and it lasts for a few moments or maybe longer if you're lucky and then it fades away and then maybe you're looking to recapture that and it, I mean physiologically speaking I'm not a doctor or anything but there has to be some kind of dopamine release or other like chemical thing happening in your brain when you have intense emotional experiences and people keep trying to chase it and they're chasing bigger and bigger and bigger highs, maybe doing crazier and crazier things. Not, I, I don't necessarily mean that in the context of this church, but just as in general and in, in humanity. And so there's probably some element of that to it. Um, but yeah, it seemed very, it seemed very chaotic. Is that okay? And the, there's a admonition in the new Testament that, the meeting of the saints together for worship services is supposed to be decent and in order. That's uh, that's in first or second Corinthians too, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we have, we worship the God who brought order, who brings order out of chaos. And so why would the, why would worship services to his glory and honor be chaotic um, or at least be consistently chaotic yeah right like that's, the perp- that, like, that's one of the goals is yeah. for that type of chaos yeah I mean you, you do see in the scriptures you see exuberance and joy expressed in singing and in dancing um like when David ushers the ark into Jerusalem, uh, he's he's going at it, and that that seems perfectly reasonable. This just seems a little bit I don't know beyond the pale is the right word or the right right phrase. Yeah, I just like I couldn't imagine hardly anyone at our church being in that room and wanting to go through that tunnel and have these people uh, as they would say prophesy or you know speak in tongues over them and so that's where the this this is the church where the music is coming from so we'll sing their music but we wouldn't do that we would reject their their preachers we don't believe well, I mean, we didn't even go into the fact that their um, our churches definitely skews more complementarian. That there are roles, distinct roles in the church and in families for men and for women, 
and that the role of elder and pastor is for men in the church and they they certainly don't hold to that they have women pastors and women teachers i don't know if they have elders or not as uh, codified in an office but um you know like our our church hierarchy is different there's aberrant theology there is a huge focus on supernatural on signs and wonders that our church doesn't have there's a lot there and yet we're willing to sing their songs so if if I, I don't know what else what, what would we take from them besides that is the only thing we're willing to take their music and why would we take that if we're going to reject everything else especially when there are so many other options of people who are much closer to us theologically and who are much closer to us in the way that they practice their worship services who have similar elements of focus where it's like personal discipleship scripture memory um not not chaos and signs and wonders there should be immense joy when we worship the god who we know along with there should be sorrow over our sin sorrow usually precedes the joy the joy outlasts the sorrow because we know who god is and we know what, that he's forgiven us i mean i would not mind if there is some more dancers at our church or people just like praising god at the top of their lungs I know some people can see that as distracting. However, I think that there there should be more um, ability for people to express themselves in, in those ways. I love that. I, I want to be for that. I want to be behind that. And th that's that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, jumping up and down to a fun song. That's not just a kid's song. You know, the kids always get to jump up and down. Adults should be able to, too. What we're talking about is that they're, they have gone outside the lines of what is prescribed in scripture. Chaotic. No interpretation of tongues. The elements that seem to be manifested in these worship services are sh should be indications of something spiritual happening, but not of the same God that we know. When I see that, that's a mockery of the Holy Spirit. But it makes a lot of sense why Jen Johnson saw the Holy Spirit as a genie in the bottle. Because that was a little genie right there. <laughs> that just looks like a little genie. You rub him, you pat someone's head, you say a couple things, and he makes you fall on the ground laughing. That, that, that's the power of the Holy Spirit? That's what you think the power of the Holy Spirit is? That's like a very weak God. A God that can just tickle you to death, basically. It's a, that's a, that's, you just get a tickle partner. Like, we could do the same thing right now. So... It does make me really, <laughs> it does make me really angry. You said it. Yeah, I know. It does make me really angry. I know. For those of you listening, I just tickled her. She's my wife. It's okay. <laughs> That's true. There are some people just this listening. So, yeah, it does make me angry, that element, because I see so many people in that video that are likely just sheep being led away, deceived right now they're not blameless none of us are completely blameless in that process right because we go toward what we want to hear we go toward what we want to feel we go toward what we want to know second timothy 2 or first timothy second timothy 2 4 something like that do you think they have the same 
Love Sorry. Scripture. So, do you think they have the same kind of retention rate of congregants that more, you know, more conventional churches have? It seems like something that would be very interest, intriguing to draw new people in. Maybe people, maybe a new agey people who see, who, who find that uh, more of a comfortable environment because there's some of the same elements mm -hmm. or, I mean, they are out like meeting new people They're They are evangelistic, not, mm -hmm. not so much in this, in the sense that we would use the word. They're outreach focused. Yeah. They, they reach out and they are evangelistic for the message of signs and wonders, mm -hmm. not the message of, mm -hmm the slain and resurrected and glorious Christ. Mm -hmm. So I, that's something that I'd be curious about. Did people come and, you know, they stick around for a while. Maybe they fake some spiritual experiences. Maybe they have some emotional experiences and then they just kind of like, yeah, this is it. Is this real? It's not real for me. And they just kind of slowly fade out. Mm -hmm. Stop going. I don't know. It's like being drunk 24 seven. And gets it can get old but so there are people there that are i believe are being deceived now however long you stay in that um you you do have some ownership of that like if you're a believer in that element in that element in that church you got to get out you must get out this this is i believe god is also using us to say get out get into a church that knows god loves god and is going to love you um, how God made you um, to live and to be the giftings that he's given you the true God of the Bible not some counterfeit Jesus so but what makes me I think even more upset is the people that are leading people into this deception uh, people at this church that have not repented and have not rescinded any of their comments recently Elijah Stevens who is a teacher at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry went on to the podcast cultish um, in response to a uh, few episodes that they have on a girl named Lindsay Davis, who def they do an episode or a few episodes on cultish called Defecting from Bethel. She once was in Bethel's School of Supernatural Ministry and she left and she gives her story. And then Elijah Stevens, who is a teacher, came on to cultish to kind of give his perspective. And it was a really good, it was a really good couple of episodes. He did think that some of Bethel's teachers were misrepresented in those episodes of cultish. However, he also mentioned that some of the things that we've said on the show about uh, the Physics of Heaven book and some of Bill Johnson's quotes, that they weren't worded quite right and they don't really represent what Bethel thinks. But upon the call of, you know, Chris Balaton and, and Bill Johnson to uh, rescind those comments to take um, ownership of the wrongfulness of those statements. They still have not done that. They have not asked for forgiveness of that. They haven't admitted it was wrong. So what that tells me is they agree with those statements. They don't say anything wrong with those statements. Those books and those statements have been up for years and they haven't done anything about it and they continue to double down in that type of theology. So in closing, regardless if you agree, I think with our take or not, I think it's at least worth having the conversation and thinking about these issues. And remember that worship is not about you. It's about God. So are we worshiping God in the way that he desires to be worshiped, that he requires us to worship him? Um, 
and even though this looks like some people may see, oh, that's such a freeing experience. That's not. That's a delusion. There is true free freedom in the real Christ and the risen Christ in the way that God prescribes us to live. Um, so those are those are my thoughts. I urge people to search the scriptures and to think about these things and to talk to their leaders in their church, to talk to their friends and family about it, and to be willing to get into those conversations and kind of root out some of those blind spots. So any closing thoughts? Uh, I, I figured I might take just a minute or two. There, I had a pastor, the pastor of the church I attended when I was in college. He said something like, or maybe it was um, post college, maybe it was when we got married. I don't know. God is actually, I think it was. I think it was College Avenue Baptist in San Diego. God has been pleased throughout the the millennia to accept a huge variety of forms of worship. So there is no no one culture or age has a monopoly on how to worship God. Like we started out with, there are obvious limits. There are, there are very obvious limits, like you can't sacrifice live children for the glory of God, like the um, like the Canaanites did to Molech. You know that's not acceptable worship. Um, and so when you think about what what kind of music you're doing or what is the structure of your church service, some church services are very liturgical, very formal, and some are much more informal people are joking the clothing is people wear is much more casual i grew up in florida and i would wear a shirt and a tie and a you know suit or a sports jacket to church and here in california i wear jeans and a sandal and a sandals and we're more than once i only wear one sandal um and you know a, a decent shirt, but I'm not wearing a tie. There, there are people that show up to our church service in ties. Um, it's it's a different culture here than it is in Florida, and so I would encourage you to just think about it. Think about, like Danae said, is the worship that you bring is it for you or is it for God? It reminds me of a, a quote from the Indi Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail uh, where there's a secret society that's protecting the Holy Grail and he corners Indiana Jones and he says, why do you seek the cup of Christ? Is it for your glory or for his? And that, that quote in a you know, blockbuster movie, great movie has just all it's stuck with me since I saw that movie when I was like 11 or 12. Um, what is your worship? Is it seeking your own glory or is it seeking Christ? And it's okay. Be, you can be honest about your preferences. My preferences are very different than the church that we attend. Um, the part of the reason why we're doing this is because the church we attend, we, they do sing a lot of Bethel songs um, and, and other similar music. That's not, not, not only do I, have serious issues with the, the Bethel music, but it's not my preference. I would much rather sing hymns, at least at this stage of my life. There is a stage in my life when I wouldn't have. Um, but a true mature Christian can worship God even if the style of music 
can worship God in song, even if the style of music is not what their preference is. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean you have to just sit there silently in the pew if you don't enjoy or if it's, if it's not your preference. Like, I'm, what I mean to say is it's okay to talk to the worship leader at your church. Be nice when you do it. Probably a, I would guess that a lot of the feedback that people who lead worship and worship music in churches get is negative. It's like, Oh, I didn't really like that song. I don't like this. You know, you be, be positive, be kind, but it's okay to, to say, I would really love it if we sang more hymns. And if you are concerned about this kind of the music from Bethel, at least based on this, um, you could share this podcast or video with your worship leader and it may spark a very interesting conversation in your church and may even cause um, the whole team to reevaluate what songs they're bringing to sing on Sunday mornings or at youth group meetings or other gatherings. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's about it. I don't know that I have anything more to say. I'm going to pray for everyone. And this is blind spot. No, I'm going to pray for everyone. God, thank you for giving an opportunity to to hear each other out and to kind of analyze and think through these issues. Lord, I pray that you would be with each person who is watching. God, that you would lead them through the scriptures, through good conversations with each other to um, what most honors you, glorifies you, and in turn that will bring us the most joy and growth. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, that's right. This was Blind Spot. Thanks for watching. We're going under. Bang, bang like thunder. Bang, bang like thunder.